Welcome in. Sports 1140 KHDK. Jason Ross here with you on this Wednesday, December 15th. It is a game day. Game night will be coming your way following us at 530. And uh, lots going on regarding the Sacramento Kings. Welcome in. We've got a lot to cover today. Hopefully you enjoyed our Golf to Go Golf Hour. Frank LaRosa and I had that just to wrap that up just moments ago. But coming up today in one hour from now, Lincoln Kennedy, the uh, former Raider, Kurt Raider analyst, will join us. And at 5 o'clock, our weekly check-in with Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. We will get to uh, first things first here in a moment. And there is uh, plenty of news, like I said, regarding your Sacramento Kings as uh, they get ready for the game tonight. Um, yeah, just this plenty going on. So, you know what? Let's do it. Let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it and start you out with first things first. First things first. First things first. Well, let's start on the coaching front because the Sacramento Kings this year, as you know, have already made a coaching decision and they've moved on from Luke Walton. Alvin Gentry has taken over as the interim head coach. You probably have seen the news by now, but Alvin Gentry has tested positive for COVID-19. I believe the coach has been uh, fully vaccinated, maybe even boosted. I don't know, have all the details of that, but I think I know the coaching staffs had to. There's been different requirements for people that work in the NBA and work close to the floor. Everybody that doesn't have basically the players association around them has to be vaccinated. So uh, that's encouraging because of that situation. You don't want anybody to have any ramifications from COVID. Doesn't mean there can't be some symptoms and, and certainly don't want anything to go any, any worse. But the point being Alvin Gentry is going to be out at least for tonight, if not more, because of COVID. So the thought was, who will coach the Kings? Well, after a little bit of deliberation, it is going to be Doug Christie tonight. And I am so excited for that opportunity for Doug Christie tonight. Um, It's one game. It might be two. It might be three. I don't know how long Alvin Gentry will be out. We certainly wish a speedy recovery. But as someone that has gotten to know Doug pretty well, um, this and he said it on this show when we were together. This is a dream of his. He's been chasing. He loves coaching. He loves it. And now he's getting an opportunity, even if it's for one night, if it's for two games, three games, who knows how long, um, the opportunity to be a head coach. But this isn't uh, Doug's game plan and all this scheming. Like they just have to figure out a way to win in a couple of hours. This all happened really, really fast this morning. Wait, this is the same Doug Christie that used to work here. It is. Huh. Okay. I thought it's a different Doug Christie. Now you're on board? Now I now I want him to, to, to do well. Now now Chris is all in. And, I, I mean, I think we've all felt this way, Chris, because we've gotten to know Doug and how, I mean, literally how great of a person he is, a human being. And, and I could tell my biggest tell, and for any of you out there that's listened to this station for any amount of time, if Chris pokes fun at you, makes fun of you, um, you're in. You like He likes you. Chris likes you. And you have I've had fun at Doug's expense. You guys have gone back and forth. But, I mean, Doug is an all-world person. So I, I, I can't even describe how much I'm rooting for him, but it's also in the short term not going to be his job. I mean, it could be in the future. It could be a job somewhere else. I know this is what he wants to do, so I'm rooting for him. Um, but I also don't want the team to do what they've done. And if they do what they've done, it's not Doug. I, just like I didn't think it was Luke. I didn't think it was Jaeger. I didn't think it was Alvin Gentry. 
if we could have anything go our way tonight, Chris, can the Kings win? Please. Can the Kings win? Can Tyrese shoot more than two shots? Can Tyrese shoot more than two shots? Um, can Buddy not take 20 shots? <laughs> I, I No, I, I don't know. Unless he's benched. He's going to shoot. And this is where it gets tricky, and I will, I promise you, do our best, certainly in the postgame tonight after the game has happened, and tomorrow on the show, to try to evaluate Doug in the fairest of ways possible. Oh, he, I won't do that. No? You're killing him? Oh, yeah. That means you are you love him. Um, I like Doug so much, I told him I'd go to Seattle with him. Yes, that's true. <laughs> and if you know anything about Chris, that's a big deal. So, again, I, I don't even know how else to say it besides it's not mixed emotions. I'm more excited than anything but also knowing all the things we said yesterday, all the things we've been saying in that this team is capable of in a negative way. I'm pointing out the negatives because of how bad it's been at different times of the season that I don't want to see that happen. I mean, Doug's a part of the coaching staff. So was Gentry when he was the assistant to Coach Walton. So it is a team effort. It is a, it is a group production. And literally, Doug will be the one that's standing up and making the decisions on timeouts and different things like that. It's a group effort. They are all collaborating, trying to figure out how to do this. And Coach Gentry, oh, by the way, is still a part of the game plan. He just can't be at the game. So I'm anxious. I'm excited. I don't even know what kind of expectations. I think the the true word I would say about any coach is – you really want them to do the full deep dive into what they believe. And if you've ever heard Doug on this station, and I can tell you this with a hundred percent certainty that if Doug were to get a head coaching job with the Sacramento Kings in college at a high school or whatever, he thinks outside the box. He th- he does things. He would do things differently. He's not the head coach. Now he's tonight. But if he, and I'm not even telling you if this is right, I'm telling you this would be his role. This would be his DNA. This would be what he would want from his team. And that would be different things. And what is different? Well, you've heard Doug talk about stretching and yoga and different kinds of, whatever. Think differently in training, in preparing, in player development, all that kind of stuff. That's not happening tonight in five hours, four hours. But all that being said, I'm really excited for the opportunity for him just on a personal level and always root for the Kings, always want them to win. But I really want them to win tonight. I really do. For Doug, for the team as well, for the players. And uh, they could use a win too, oh, by the way, right? I mean, they they need things to start going their way um, at their own expense, not with help like last night from others, but – um, that is the reality of the situation we're in right now. All right, let's give you some more. First things first. First things first. All right, so let's get to the game itself. The Kings begin a stretch at home, a big stretch at home, a lot of games coming up at home, starting tonight with the Washington Wizards. We already mentioned that Alvin Gentry is out due to COVID uh, protocol issues. Marvin Bagley has also put been put in the league's health and safety protocols. He is out for tonight's game as well. So the Kings will be slightly undermanned. For Washington, Kyle Kuzma has been out on that uh, health and safety protocols as well. And we said this yesterday, it is ravaging sports. Not that it's not ravaging our world, but it's hitting 
the sports world as well. And Marvin Bagley, he's been placed there. If it's like any other time, he's going to probably have to come up with two negative tests over a 24-hour stretch. I'm sure same for Coach Gentry. And, you know, Marvin, I would say, has been a player that when you ask what's going to be different from Coach Walton to Coach Gentry, it seems like Coach Gentry has looked to play Marvin Bagley more. And Marvin Bagley has actually produced better and fairly well here lately. I've always maintained if Mar- – really, Marvin, to me, is the classic example of when someone gets an opportunity to play in the NBA that he will produce. Marvin Bagley is a, is a statistic – statistically, he's going to produce. The, the thing to me about Marvin that I've always tried to figure out, are his numbers beneficial in the team winning? And I don't think that has happened enough in Marvin's career. Now, what happens when you give just about any NBA player 25, 35, 40, 30 minutes? They're going to get you numbers. They generally do. But are they helping you win? Are they productive? Lately, Marvin has done that both at realms, helping them and getting productive numbers. But he is out tonight. This Wizards team got off to a great start and then kind of has fizzled here a little bit lately. But still, it's a team that redirected their team with an offseason trade that really was connected to the Kings in some sort, if you think about it, when we all thought Buddy Heald was being traded to the Lakers for Montrez Harrell and Kyle Kuzma. Instead, moments later... The Woj bomb comes in and shams when they had already talked about that trade. Then it's Russell Westbrook is leaving Washington, going to the Lakers for Kuzma, Harrell, and KCP. So this is a team that has seen those guys join them. Montrez Harrell has been unbelievable effort and energy off the bench and one of the leading candidates, if not the leading candidate for six-man of the year. Kuzma in a starting role has fit them well. And then KCP is just a nice veteran defensive player and can shoot the three. And it's fit with Bradley Beal, fit with some of the younger players developing. And in the East, you know, Washington's done some good things. So certainly not an easy test tonight. Like we said earlier, Doug Christie's coaching. Marvin Bagley is out. And Alvin Gentry is out until further notice with both those two guys. But anxious, excited, and want to really see how this one goes down. And like we said, today we'll have game night at 5.30, Kings Live pregame at 6.30, and of course the G-Man with all the play-by-play coming up at uh, 7 o'clock. All right, let's get you more First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. Wiggins comes across, working on Fournier. Up top to Curry. Quick release and splash! There it is! The best shooter the game has ever seen has cemented his legacy. No one has made more threes than Stephen Curry. And when you consider... He has many more years in his career. He might be setting a record that may never be broken. Draymond Green, Stephen Curry, hugged down the floor. An intentional foul by the Warriors. They're going to stop the game, and the ball will go to number 30. Standing ovation here at Madison Square Garden. It's emotional. It is emotional. His dad's here to see it. His college coach, Bob McKillop, is here to see it. Larry Riley, the general manager of the Warriors, who drafted Stephen Curry, is here to see it. Steph's mom is here as well. Handshakes and hugs from his teammates, from every coach. Big, long hug from Steve Kerr, a great shooter in his own right. 
And the most threes in NBA history belong to Stephen Curry. Tim Roy, Jim Barnett, Warriors Radio Network. Last night, we were on the air when it happened. It was really cool to see. It was a guy that, yeah, I know the, the cliche has changed the game, but it's true. And it's it's changed to a level in all sports where people now take threes that they really shouldn't because Steph can. And Steph, you know, the, the word Steffertless. I mean, that's what he's done. He's made it look easy. It's not, but he's made it look that way. And a lot of hard work, a lot of determination, a lot of belief in others, a lot of belief in his own game. And he has elevated to that plateau where he is the best shooter of all time. It was really cool to see. I know New York gets all the love for being the basketball mecca, but they they crowned that moment. It really put a good bow on an amazing achievement that had happened in New York. And as Steph Curry postgame uh, talked about just that whole time and getting lost in the moment. It was special. Like I said, I've had a, a lot of support from day one, you know, since I started playing basketball and all the way through my journey. And, you know, that's what it's all about, really. Everybody's feeling a part of what this, you know, milestone, this record means. You know, they know how much it means to me. I'm just grateful, man. I'm blessed. And, you know, there's a lot of just great energy and positivity around, you know, what we're doing, what I'm doing in my career. And, and this milestone means a lot. So it was amazing to just have that moment where they called time out and I could go get lost in the moment because the moment deserved it for sure. And uh, well, you know what I appreciated, and you know, it. I think I would have appreciated no matter how it went down. There's a lot of times you hear the school of thought, act like you've been there before. Well, that's never happened before. And Steph is a, an emotional player to a sense, but I think he's such a good spirit. He likes to have fun. He enjoys the game, and he enjoyed that moment. And why not? It was great. Um, it just, it felt right. I think there, like he said, there's a lot of positive vibes around him. And I think you, what you put out, you get back and Steph Curry got the love. He did the Knicks fans. They were there to see the Knicks, but come on. They were there to see the moment. They were there to see Steph. They were there to see the Warriors who are a really good basketball team. And, you know, he could have downplayed it and acted like it wasn't a big deal. And, you know, he made a couple more threes in the game and he's going to go past 3000 here soon. And, on his way to 4,000, and just keep adding on to his record. But I just enjoyed watching him love it and accept the love that he was getting and acknowledge it. And um, as his teammates had said, uh, Andrew Wiggins said, man, in the whole postgame, he's just thanking everyone else, just kind of tells you the quality of person that he is. I think that would have been the reaction everywhere. In every arena? Yeah. Yeah, and Steph, there's not – Chris, everybody's not like that. I think Steph is about as universally liked. I mean, there, no, there are people that hate LeBron. I mean, hate him. Yeah. And you might not like the Warriors, and maybe there's things that might bother you, and it's usually when there's success. But now if you strip it down – now, this wasn't a Warriors award, even though Steph tried to make it about the team. This was about Steph. So now you're you're hating him in that moment, and – I think he's a really tough person to hate. There is there's one thing that people don't like about him. What's that? He's a little shimmy. Okay. Makes a woman in Sacramento puke. <laughs> if um but see last night all all moves were acceptable. Biting on the mouthpiece, like, yeah, wear that mouthpiece. I'll see people say that. But okay. also I think in sports you need a player to not like. Right, but he's not the one. Yeah. He's not the one. You he's the uh He's the superhero. I think Westbrook does a good job of it. Right, and that's okay. Well, his teammate, Draymond. People hate Draymond. 
Unless he, he's on your team. He, uh, no, they don't like him. People don't like Draymond. I'm trying to, but I'm like, I don't care about Draymond. Like, I don't hate Draymond. No, but I think if there was a situation where they're on the limelight again, in which they're getting to be that way, and if there was just a finals and uh, getting technicals or or just barking or being the intense player that he is, and especially if it's against your team, oh yeah, people don't like Draymond. But Draymond loves Steph. It seems universal, vice versa for there. And it was really an awesome moment yesterday. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that as the show goes on. Certainly more about the Kings as well. But let's get you more. First things first. First things first. First things first. first. All right. Today was early signing day for colleges and really for college football. And you're going to see the rankings everywhere and who did well, who did what, so on and so forth. I think one of the biggest stories that came out today and really in the college football recruiting era, to be honest with you, is what happened with Jackson State today and Deion Sanders. So think about this. Deion Sanders, prime time. We know all the the historically great uh, career he had, college and pro, and then television analyst, and he's everywhere. He's prime time. Very commercialized. It just people know who Deion Sanders is. Well, he wants to take on coaching, and he goes to an HBCU, goes to Jackson State, and certainly was a high-profile hire, but how is he going to do as a coach? And in his first year, they won a bunch of games. Well, the lifeblood in coaching and in college is recruiting. And when you hire a name like Deion Sanders, you envision the day that his name, his star power, can turn your program around. It doesn't always happen that way. But when Jackson State had dreams of that, they had dreams of this first season for Deion Sanders and the dream of today. Cornerback Travis Hunter, who is rated either number one or number two on most national rankings list for recruiters as a cornerback and is apparently diehard Florida State, where Deion played. And he flipped his commitment today from Florida State to an FCS team, an HBCU team, in Jackson State. That is amazing. I mean, it is incredible for a player that, and then along the ride, he trolled a few other schools like, give me that hat. Nope, not doing that. And throwing stuff off in his press conference, just crazy. But he picks primetime Deion Sanders, Jackson State, and Travis Hunter, who here's the here's his phrasing. Florida State has always been a beacon for me. I grew up down there. That's where my roots are, and I never doubted that I would play for the Seminoles. It's a dream that is hard to let go of, but sometimes we are called to step into a bigger future than one we imagined for ourselves. For me, that future is at Jackson State University. I mean, that is one of the greatest recruiting day stories that I can ever remember. Honestly. People flip colleges. That happens, but it's, oh, from Alabama to SC, from Florida State to Penn State, that kind of thing. This is from a place that he had connections to, that he dreamt about going to. I'm sure he thought, as he said, his own words, he was going to be a Florida State Seminole. Instead, he goes to the guy that helped make the Seminoles what they became for that time with Bobby Bowden. And... Deion Sanders, and joins him at Jackson State on National Signing Day. Absolutely an incredible story. 
First things first. First things first. All right, more news from the NFL. Las Vegas. You got a lot of things now. Remember when there wasn't much sports-wise professionally going on? They get hockey. They've got the NFL. They've had the NBA All-Star game. They're getting the Super Bowl, and I think this is going to be great. I mean, Las Vegas, it's it's, it's lots going on there, one, of any city that can – I mean, they've hosted the biggest fights, um, conventions, all sorts of things. Uh, It'll be crazy, but it's the Super Bowl, expected to be crazy. Super Bowl 58 has been awarded to Las Vegas. I love the quote today, Chris, from Mark Davis. He said, we may not be winning on the field, but we're winning off the field. I'm like, yeah, okay. It's not a Raiders home game. It's just being held in your stadium. The real, have you been to Vegas when there's like a huge event happening? Yes. Like we're like boxing event or UFC or something like that. Yeah. I didn't realize one year we went uh, just kind of an impromptu trip. It was um, Cinco de Mayo. Okay. So there was a big boxing event. It was also the Saturday that had Kentucky. Dur- it was just, yeah. I go, oh, that's what is perfect, going on? Like, I that's didn't, a perfect Vegas weekend. It was crazy. Uh, the interesting thing is like when you're walking around and other people are doing other things that have nothing to do with that event happening in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Like when you go by showrooms and stuff, it's like, oh, someone's going to Cirque du Soleil right yeah, now. This is, they chose this weekend to do this. Yeah, It's just so weird to see. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. I can the Super Bowl is going to do just fine there. I mean, it'll be oh yeah, it's a big event. They can handle all that. It'll be crazy. Um, so if you care to go, uh, save your money now, save a lot of it for a couple of years because it looks like Super Bowl fifty eight two thousand twenty four will be heading to Las Vegas. First things first. First things first. All right, last one here on our suddenly jam packed edition of First Things First. Uh, the Raiders will be in action on Saturday. Remember, they play Saturday this week. And we'll talk to Lincoln Kennedy about that and about this because Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski and quarterback Baker Mayfield have been added to the long COVID list of players and now coaches for the Browns. They had, what, eight or nine that went on the COVID list yesterday. So the game is still scheduled at the moment for Saturday, 1 o'clock. And if you're the Raiders, you have to take advantage of this. This isn't the the way anybody wants things, but if people are out, players are hurt, uh, injuries or personal reasons, or in this case, COVID, which is, again, impacting the sports world, you have a really small window to still make the playoffs. I don't think it's happening for the Raiders, but your chances increase, obviously, if you could beat Cleveland. And I said yesterday, I don't even know if the Raiders get another win, but this one is opening up as a better opportunity for a win with all the pieces that are going to be missing potentially for the Cleveland Browns. So uh, we will talk about that more with Lincoln Kennedy when he joins us at four and certainly at five when we talk to Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. All right, we will break here. Our first break of the day. Plenty more to get to. we got to jump back into the Kings who will be playing without Coach Gentry. Doug Christie makes his head coaching debut tonight. Marvin Bagley has been ruled out. He's gone into health and safety protocols as well. We'll talk a little bit more about Steph's night last night and the NBA as well as we continue right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Ben Steph Curry with the shot. Ben cooking with the sauce. Chef Curry with the pot, boy. 360 with the wrist, boy. Hey. See us, boy. OVO, man, we really with the boy. 
Yeah. Back here on Sports Eleven Forty KHDK. Yeah, it's time to get a new mattress. Shop local at Sleep First. Jason Ross here with you as we roll along here on this Wednesday, December fifteenth. Again, Kings basketball coming up. You, uh, yeah, Steph last night. We got to get in some NBA too, uh, as well overall. But it was really, really cool to see that moment last night with Steph Curry, and um, I, again, I, I just can't reiterate how much. How much of an impression Steph has had on me and just how personable he's been with people, most everyone I've ever heard, if not everyone, has said how great of a person he's been. I know from almost when he started, we had him on a couple of different times on different shows that I've been on, and it was like, wow, we're getting Steph Curry? And one of the amazing things to me, and I've said this story before, and a lot of it is from top down in the organization of the Warriors to their credit and how they handle things. But there was a year, maybe the year the Warriors even won 72 games, something like that, or around that window when they were champions and just the best team to go. 73 games, you're right. Uh, The champions, the benchmark of the league. And the way it works on Kings broadcast a lot of times, we don't do this anymore, but we used to, where we would ask for a post-game guest no matter what, win or lose. If it's a win, you, you get a Kings player, and that's great. That's what our audience likely wants to hear. But you can get a, a, a opposing team and ask them about them and then maybe impressions about the Kings and so on and so forth. But that year, the Warriors did beat the Kings four times, so 4-0. And, and, you know, truth be told, you'll write down on a list and give it to the opposing team's PR, and it might end up being, you know, you ask for Shaq, Kobe, um, and some other prominent player. Glenn Rice. And Glenn Rice, and you get... Glenn uh, Rice. No, you don't get Glenn Rice. You get Chris Mim, Medvedenko. You get Smush Parker, and you went. I, that's not. Why'd you give me a list? I mean, if you're just going to give me a player, that's not who I asked for. They played two minutes tonight. David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker. Here comes uh, Bonner, Matt Bonner. Cool, great interview. He's fine, but that's not who we asked for. So the Warriors, the one year when they. 173 or one of their champion years we had in the four losses by the kings we ended up with steph clay draymond and festus azili now the festus azili game he was great we did ask for him and he also was from this area so it all made sense uh was clay was that the the night i don't know that we got clay that night when he went for 37 in the quarter because i'm sure he went to there yeah, that makes sense. Group, but, but wasn't there like? I think we got Steph, and he was talking about how great he was. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, and that's what I've always appreciated about him and his team, and how they've handled things, and how he had a moment like that last night. Even his coach. Let's hear from Steve Kerr about that. The moment was spectacular. It was an incredible shot. It was kind of a fadeaway, high-arcing three, so it was uh, the degree of difficulty was there, and the crowd was anticipating it, and then the aftermath was more emotional than I expected it to be. You know, it was uh, just an outpouring of of, uh, love and support for Steph from seemingly everybody in the building. So beautiful, beautiful moment. And it goes back to, you know, I know um, I saw this, Chris, that, Hall of Fame ballots are up for baseball. Or they're going to be due at the end of the month. And at some point, there's a decision to be made. You probably, if you're one of the people that gets to vote, do I think this player's a Hall of Famer or not? Am I emotionally connected? 
oh, Barry Bonds. I don't like Barry Bonds. If that's your reaction, point being here is Steph Curry. Oh, I love Steph Curry. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. There's not the same kind of vote. But people love Steph Curry. He has treated people well, and he gets the love back like that in New York last night. It was truly an amazing accomplishment. Let's hear from Draymond Green, his teammate, uh, last night. You know, anytime you have the opportunity to play in the garden, it's special. You had the opportunity to break an all-time record here. That takes things to, to new heights. I think the only thing missing for me is Clay not being here. Just the road traveled uh, to get here. Clay was a huge part of that. So, you know, if anything could have been different, it was that. But other than that, very, very, very special night for a special person, for a special player. It's great to be a part of. Yep, spreading the love, sharing the love. One more thing here from Steph about being the greatest shooter. I think everybody talks about what the greatest shooter ever and all that conversation and you know my respect for Reggie and Ray, guys who set the bar for what it meant to be a sharpshooter, to have the longevity as well. And for me, I've tried to own that in my journey in terms of range, volume, efficiency, all those things go into it. So I pride myself on shooting a high percentage. I pride myself on allowing that to help us win games. And now I can pride myself on the longevity of getting to that number that Ray set and hopefully pushing it to a number that nobody can reach. We'll see what happens. But that's something that the balance of volume and efficiency for me is the standard that I wanted to set. I never want to call myself the greatest shooter until I got this record. So I'm comfortable saying that now. <laughs> and the part that Ray Allen was there, Reggie Miller was on the call, and those two guys are not even afraid to say, oh, he's the best shooter of all time. Like, we, we've we just gone through that era, Chris, where when the Warriors won, he's 70. Oh, in my day, Scottie Pippen, us Bulls, we would have beaten them. Like, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of ego in sports. And Ray Allen, no, Steph's the best. And Reggie Miller, he's by far the best. I, I just appreciate that that's been almost the universal thought here. Do you think Kerr needles him a little bit that he's got the higher three-point percentage? He should. Yes. I hope he does. Also, we're talking about how great the Knicks fans were. Did uh-huh. you see like they had like a ISO cam on Knicks fans for when uh, Steph hit the three? Including the one that was texting? Huh? Is that the one? I don't, I don't think that one. It's like fans are going insane for them. Did you hear it? No. So I, I, I do you have You caught it the audio yeah, of it? I did get it. So okay. here it is. That's it. Man, they love Steph. They do love Steph. So, cool moment, cool night for him. Uh, Around the league, by the way, um, (laughs) for the Sacramento Kings, who will be in action tonight. we got a lot more to get into on them as the uh, show rolls along. Um, The best thing the Kings can do right now is not play. (laughs) Last night, another loss for the Portland Trailblazers if they lose in overtime at home to Phoenix. So, big deal, right? Well, the Blazers have lost six in a row. That loss has put the Kings, for the time being, back into that 10th spot in the play-in situation because of the tiebreaker. The Kings have beaten the Blazers twice this year. Oh, boy. I mean, it's just amazing, this topsy-turvy Western Conference that's so top-heavy with the Warriors, Suns, and Jazz. After that, you know, Memphis has done some nice things, and really nice things, honestly, without jaw. But Clippers, Lakers, Mavs, Nuggets go down the line just – there's a whole bunch of teams that are just a whole lot of okay, if even that. And the Kings are in that group, and they've been less than okay. And as we said yesterday, they look broken. They felt broken. They are coming home now for a stretch that since they have moved to the Golden 1 Center, they have not been a great home team. 
They have not taken advantage of that. And even in the years, and this team has been here for 37 years, there's been 10 playoff appearances. The very first season, the 95-96 year, and then eight consecutive and three or four of those, they were clearly one of, if not the best team in the league, and obviously there's no championships resolved in that or a part of that. But that's it, 10, 10 years out of the 37. But in that 10-year or before that run, of that eight straight years, the Kings weren't a great team, but they were actually pretty good at home. Or they were a tough place to play. They were There were moments that people would come into Arco Arena when we were given the label of the best fans in the world because it was difficult to play. You might play Magic Johnson and the Lakers, Michael Jordan and the Bulls, Larry, Borden, uh, Larry Bird and the Celtics. Also Larry Bird. Larry Bird. Devin Durant. Devin Durant, Jordan Michael, all these guys. When they played them all. They still lost to those guys. But no, the point is their their crowds were great. They were into it. And they made it very, very difficult to play. And that's been missing. And I'm not, I mean, look, tonight I don't anticipate another big crowd. Fans have been kicked. Ticket prices are, you know, that's, we're in a pandemic. And that's a whole other thing about attendance. I know people are like, what's going on with the attendance? I think there's about 10 factors. Um, the way they played, ticket prices, and then certainly COVID, and that COVID is wide scoping, and that's from the person that oh they're taking this far too seriously. I don't want to wear a mask. To the person, I want to wear a mask. Why isn't that person wearing a mask? It's on all realms of COVID. So it's the reality that they're in, but they are coming home for so many games. They don't leave the West Coast until January twenty second. More than a month. They are here. I think there's four road games in that stretch. And as we said yesterday, it's just Portland, uh, the Clip, the Lakers, the Warriors, and Denver. And it's home game after home game after home game. And right now, the Kings with just five home wins. Only Oklahoma City and only New Orleans have less. So, without any roster changes, without any coaching changes, with the exception of tonight with Doug Christie coaching, with Alvin Gentry being out, they have to, have to, to make any kind of a dent in these standings, be great at home. And track record suggests that won't happen. This team's season suggests that won't happen. But it is possible. The Kings have won their last two at home, but that's not much to be said there because the loss before that was the Laker game. Uh, they also beat the Blazers at home, lost before that. That was the disappointing loss to the Sixers when they had their starting five all out, and they lost. But there is an opportunity, like we said, with this homestand starting tonight, Washington, Memphis, San Antonio before a quick back-to-back to the Warriors, then Clippers, Memphis, Oklahoma City, Dallas, Dallas, Miami before going to the Lakers, then home for Atlanta, then the two quick on the road, Denver, Portland, and then another five-game homestand, Cleveland, Lakers, Houston, Houston, Detroit. That's all before the trade deadline. And I really sincerely hope this team does some damage here. And like we said, whether it's tonight for Doug Christie until Alvin Gentry gets back, people are helping him. Portland certainly seems broken. And they're getting some good news. It looks like CJ McCollum's recovering. But they had Dame last night. Without and they played Phoenix without Devin Booker, 
and Portland loses on their home floor. Portland is 1-11 on the road. Wow. So one of these teams, if not multiple, are going to make a move. Probably a move of significance that is going to vault them up the standings. And by vaulting them up, I know that sounds like dramatic, like a 10-game win streak. No, that could just mean going 6-4. and four. But while everyone else flounders, that 6-4 and four moves you up. So we will see where it goes. But as for me, I'm a believer in the Jazz, the Suns, and the Warriors in the West, and that's about it. News on the Jazz, by the way. Utah has added Danny Ainge to their front office. He will be, as they're terming, the alternate governor and CEO. He'll be in charge of the basketball side of things. And it's another good basketball mind on an organization that's pretty sharp, believes in continuity, believes in drafting, keeping players around, developing them and doesn't do a lot of drastic changes. And it's a smaller market. They don't get the highest of profile free agents. I mean, I've talked about Utah a lot as a potential marker for what the Kings could be. I mean, a timely move to get Mike Conley. They drafted a draft day trade. I guess they didn't draft him. Denver did, but they traded for Donovan Mitchell. Brought in Boyan Bogdanovich. Had uh, drafted Rudy Gobert. Brought in... Clarkson I mean these are these are fringe on the edges moves to go with a core starting five that's been around and fit Royce O'Neal doesn't start on a lot of teams but he fits with the with the Jazz Rudy Gay's a nice addition Hassan Whiteside who was here looks better as a Jazz player that happens a lot in this league and certainly uh, happens a lot with this team specifically so I think of that team adding Danny Ainge that's a good sound move to someone that joins the basketball operation side of things for the Utah Jazz. All right, still to come, much more, including Lincoln Kennedy at 4 o'clock, Chris Landry at 5 o'clock. we got to get more into a deep dive, too, on the Sacramento Kings and playing tonight without their coach, Alvin Gentry, and without Marvin Bagley as Doug Christie gets the call to be the coach tonight. We're back with more right after this on Sports 1140 KHDK. Back here on Sports 1140, KHTK, Jason Ross here with you. As, of course, tonight, Kings basketball here on your home of the Kings, Sports 1140. Uh, from Golden One Center tonight, again, game night's coming up at 530 with Scott Marsh and the high flyer Henry Turner. I'm back with Henry and the G-Man at 630. And, of course, all the play-by-play of the Kings and the Wizards at 7. If you haven't heard by now, uh, Alvin Gentry is out tonight. He has uh, some COVID issues there. He's tested positive for COVID, so we certainly wish him um, no symptoms and nothing. Hopefully he can be cleared and good to go soon. But Doug Christie will be coaching tonight. Really excited about that opportunity. We're going to talk more about that uh, coming up. Uh, also at the top of the next hour, Lincoln Kennedy. He's going to join us here in just a few minutes to get the very latest on the Raiders and the struggles last week in Kansas City. And speaking of COVID, the Browns, man, they've been really hit by that. And we'll talk with Lincoln about that coming up here in a few minutes. And then at five o'clock, Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com, his weekly visit as he stops by. So those are some things uh, coming your way. Um, certainly, uh, congratulations to NFL Wise News today. George Kittle named the NFC Player of the Week. What a week Kittle had last week. What a last couple of weeks for Kittle. And thinking about the Niners and their offense, if they can continue to, you know, get healthier, get Elijah Mitchell back to fully complement the running game get Debo Samuel and Ayuk and Kittle 
Well, there you go. Now you've got something cooking, I think, offensively for the 49ers as they get healthier. you still got questions on the ends defensively, defensive corners um, in the, the secondary a little bit. But the Niners, I still think and maintain if they can get themselves in a nice spot in the postseason. I told you yesterday, remember, the, the spot to target is could you possibly get a matchup with the Arizona Cardinals? I, I hate to, you know, target a team, but that would be the best roadmap to me, in my opinion, and also news today that DeAndre Hopkins is expected to miss the rest of the season for Arizona. So their best receiver, they're hopeful for a return, hopeful for the playoffs, but those are critical situations for their success. And I know the Cardinals have beaten the Niners twice already, but to try to beat them three times, I think will be very difficult. And again, I like the option of going through Kingsbury and Murray as opposed to LaFleur and Rodgers and Arians and Tom Brady as of right now is the top three teams looking in the in the NFC so uh, that's some football things there a couple of the notes here to wrap up this hour um, saw some of these things floating around the internet today which were interesting it just kind of shows you how much things change on this date some on this date stuff that was out there 1980 in 1980 on this date December 15th Dave Winfield, one of my favorite players, and what a truly great athlete in all sports. But Dave Winfield had a great Hall of Fame career as a baseball player. Became the highest paid major leaguer as he agreed to a 10-year, $15 million deal. Wow. I know when uh, Doug was here, Doug would always say, and Henry said it too, uh, working with them, ex-athletes, that, man, they came around at the wrong time. Though they were paid well. We, you know, equivalent of the time frame, like that 10-year, $15 million deal was unheard of in sports and in baseball. And Dave Winfield, good for him to get that. But um, it looks funny now some, you know, 40 years later, 10 years, $15 million. In 1982 on this date, a coaching legend started a great career. Bill Parcells became the head coach of the New York Giants. And... You know, a unique run for him, a unique style. It's a little bit different. I don't think of coaches in his same realm as much anymore, certainly in the NFL. Um, and I think there's just a perception on coaches that they are always that, you know, fire and brimstone and yelling at you all the time. I, I think there are some coaches that do that. I think in the present day, in most sports, you're finding most coaches are about communication with everybody. That seems to be what's the most trending way to look for a head coach how how well do they relate to everybody the star to the last player and I think that's what we've kind of seen right or wrong but that's been a kind of a change to me at least in coaching and sports uh let's see five years ago today man it's already been five years uh but we lost the great Craig Sager and his battle with cancer his battle was amazing he really went for a long time and going through all these different things I remember seeing all these different specials about him and what he and his family had to go through. But Craig Sager, a unique personality, certainly missed in all sports, but the NBA was kind of where he really uh, got most of his notoriety, I would say, over the years. And, you know, him and Pop had some great sideline um, interactions, we'll put it that way, but five years ago today. And then two years ago today, the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, the Oakland Raiders played their last home game in Oakland and they melted down, if I remember right. They had a bad second half and lost to Jacksonville, and that's how it ended. It just the final game ever in Oakland was the Raiders and Jacksonville. That storied rivalry. Um, but now the Raiders are in Vegas. As we told you earlier today, they now have the Super Bowl coming to Vegas in a couple of years. 
and uh, the Raiders have a new home. And uh, we're going to talk much more about that with Lincoln Kennedy as he's going to join us. As we got to go back to Lincoln on something he said last week that I want to ask him about this week. Because he said, I don't think the coaches, the current coaches that they have are in trouble. Based on the Kansas City performance and where the season's going, i got to ask Lincoln about that and much more as we continue with more of the show. Again, Kings basketball coming up tonight at 6.30 with the pregame, 5.30 game night, 7 o'clock tip-off. But when we come back, Lincoln Kennedy, former Raider, current Raiders analyst, he will join us right here on Sports 1140 KHTK.